The NFL draft may be over, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about. I got Jake Asman joining the show today. Welcome to Jets Talk. My name is Ryan. I'll be your pilot. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. If you've been here before, welcome back. I love having you here. Boys and girls, I go live every Tuesday for my Talking Jets panel. Myself, O'Leary, and Green Bean from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So ask us all your Jet-related questions. But let's move on to our topic of the day. And that is our breakdown with one Jake Asman. So without further ado, I bring in our special guest, Jake Asman. Jake, how you doing? Man, Ryan, it's an honor to be on with you. I love the show. I watch the show all the time. So to be a guest on the show, it's an honor, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I love hearing your takes on everything. Guys, if you're not subscribed to Jake, what are you doing? Check out the description down below. We'll have all Jake's links down there. But Jake, I want to talk a little bit about the New York Jets draft. For all those that have been sleeping under a rock, the New York Jets crushed it. I'm going to pull up some of our picks right here. Sauce Gardner, number four, going down to Garrett Wilson. Jermaine Johnson rounding out the first round. I want to hear your thoughts. What was going through your mind as the night kind of progressed, starting with pick number four? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because now in hindsight, looking back, I mean, I can't say enough great things about the draft and in particular what they did in the first round. But I'm not going to lie. You know, I did a video on my channel reacting to each pick in real time. And when they picked Sauce, it's not that I didn't like the pick. I just was confused. All right, well, you got the corner, great. Is that a luxury pick, though? What are they going to do to get the edge rusher or a receiver? Because it felt like now at 10, do you take Jermaine Johnson or do you take Garrett Wilson? Well, we all know how it played out, getting both of them. But in real time, I was like, all right, I love Sauce as a player. He was my number one corner. But did that make sense? But then as we kept going, you see what they did with Garrett Wilson at 10. Jermaine Johnson somehow is there at 26, and they make the move to trade up, and you're thinking, all right, it's got to be for Jermaine. It's got to be for Jermaine, and they pull it off. You know, now you come away from the first round absolute giddy uh, you know, with what they did. So I, I love it, man. You know, It kind of started off with a, 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 like that feeling of, all right, you got sauce, but what now? And the fact that they came away with Wilson and Jermaine, it just capped off an unbelievable first round. And then you get to the second round with Brees Hall, the arguably the number one running back. Ruckard, who I think is going to be an impactful player at some point in the near future in that tight end room for this team. And then you know, even the Mitchell and Clemens pick, I'm a fan of. I thought Joe Douglas crushed it. So it's a great time to be a Jet fan right now. And that's not something we've been able to say all too often. This is probably the most excited I've been for a Jets situation probably since like the championship runs in 09 and 2010. Like this was like the first weekend I came away, I turned on sports radio and I was like, wow, this is actually happening. The The beat is talking glowingly about the New York Jets. This is something that like does not happen. And I agree. When Sauce Gardner was picked, I was really excited because I thought, okay, we got enough depth at edge rusher to go to number 10 to get that edge rusher there. But then when we went Garrett Wilson, that's when I was like, oh man, I like the pick. I like the player. I was almost like the opposite of where, where you were at the sauce pick. I was like, man, what are we going to do for edge? There's no way Jermaine Johnson's going to fall. And to watch him slip little by little and go, I'm thinking when Dallas is on the clock, I was like, oh, great. He's going to go here. This is not going to like, what are, what's going to happen? Are we going to trade up for Carl Loftus? And then the move gets made to get like to trade up. What was your gut feeling when you saw Jets are on the clock at 26? You know, I, I knew it had to be for Jermaine Johnson. Now, I thought maybe Linderbaum, but then he goes the pick before, and you're thinking, all right, well, it has to be Jermaine at that point. 
But the fact that he's there at 26, and we heard all the rumblings about the Jets loving him so much, he was in play at 10. Some thought he was in play at four. I don't know if I bought that, but he was certainly in play at number 10. I just knew it had to be for for Double J. So I can't believe they got him, and I'm thrilled they got him because he is the perfect fit in Salah's defense. You put him opposite Carl Lawson, and let's hope we could say that for the first time since John Abraham, the Jets now have two pass rushers that can rush the quarterback on the edge. So I, I'm thrilled, and I couldn't be more excited. The Jets almost had a fourth first round pick. Everyone that was paying attention, you heard them talk about Brees Hall possibly. Uh, the Jets moving back into the first round, couldn't get it done. They wound up trading up with the Giants of all people to get him. What were your thoughts on the trade up to get Brees Hall? You know, I knew it was for Brees because I knew the Texans were going to take Brees to 37. I had that on pretty good authority from people I trust down here in Houston. So, you know, we were live on our Houston radio show breaking that down. And man, my co-host is a huge Texans fan was was not thrilled that I was giddy that the Jets leapfrogged uh, the Texans to get Brees. I didn't think they'd do it, Ryan. I'm glad they did, though. That, to me, is maybe my favorite pick because of what it symbolizes, right? They already had a really good running back in Michael Carter. I think Tevin Coleman proved he could be a solid, too. He still has enough left in the tank to help this team. But to get Brees Hall, to be aggressive to get that guy, that could be the bell cow, that could be the perfect complement now to Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman, to be able to help Zach Wilson take some pressure off him by running the football and setting up play action. I just love everything that move represents. And Brees is a beast, man. He's a high-character guy that's going to come in right away. And I'm telling you, if you told me he wins Rookie of the Year next year, I'm not going to be shocked. I think that's the type of impact he could potentially have in the Fleur's offense from, from the jump. Yeah, when I saw that pick, it was not something I was kind of expecting. I thought the Jets would address, uh, you know, running back at some point during the draft, but second round felt like it might be a little too high. And then, like, it happened. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool because now you start thinking of all the possibilities. This guy had 1,700 all-purpose yards the last two years, had 23 touchdowns each of the last two years, and then you go into a backfield with Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter, and this is really something special because Hall was able to be the bell cow in college. And now he comes to the New York Jets and he doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think that's a really cool thing to have because you can have that running back by committee, keep this guy fresher into the season and fresher later into games. And just like you said, what this means for the offense, we're going to be able to, to get some favorable downs and distances with, you know, we'll get second and, you know, four, second and three, those types of situations where now you can really utilize those tight ends and that play action that we wanted to use so much uh, at the beginning part of last season. Uh, but we just didn't have the horses in the stable there. Yeah, well said. And, you know, the Justice need guys that could take a gain of two or three and turn it into 14, and it's a first down. Zach Wilson, first and 10, checks it down to Brees Hall. You know, in the past, maybe if it's Ty Johnson, all right, it's now second and seven. But now with Brees Hall, what if all of a sudden he takes it 15 yards, makes a couple guys miss, and then Zach Wilson starts the game one-on-one one for 15 yards, gets that confidence going. Like, that, that those are the things that's been missing from this team. And as Zach gets more comfortable with the playbook and he can get the ball out quick to guys that are open over the middle with the tight ends, both Hall and Carter are excellent receivers out of the backfield. There's just a, such a different dynamic this offense now has to help the young quarterback. And that was the biggest thing every Jet fan was screaming about coming into the offseason. And it just feels unbelievable that they actually have addressed you know, what they needed to get done, helping the offensive line and obviously adding playmakers around Zach. And they've done that with Garrett Wilson and, and Ruckert, and obviously Hall, and re-signing Berrios. You just feel really good about where this team's at. Yeah, you look at those first four picks, and you see Sauce Gardner, and you see Jermaine Johnson, you're like, okay, we got two staples on the defensive side of the ball. And then you see Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, and you're like, okay, we got two staples on the offensive side of the ball. And at that point, you're like, 
I could walk away from the draft and I'm totally happy. And you look at the last three picks that happened, and the way I sort of envisioned it is like these were the top four guys the Jets were trying to get, and then you get Jeremy Ruckert, which wound up being like a fan favorite pick that all of us had in mock drafts going through, you know, the entire offseason. You get Max Mitchell, uh, Joe Douglas pick, the offensive line side of the ball, and then you get Michael Clemens, a defensive lineman, defensive end, Robert Sala kind of pick right there. That's sort of how I sort of looked at them. What did you think of the Jets' last three picks of the draft this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously biased because I'm a Long Island kid that grew up about 25 minutes away from uh, from Jeremy Ruckert and Lindenhurst. But I, I love the pick, man. I mean, I didn't think they'd go tight end that early. Um, and I didn't think they'd go tight end after they already made the trade up for Brace Hogg. I just figured maybe they'd want to address you know, some other positions. Because let's be real, tight ends are strength on this team before they even added Ruckert. Like, Uzama and Conklin are really good. And then you add Ruckert to that room, and he could be your long-term tight end one, ideally. I mean, it's just an awesome pick. So... I'm ecstatic they made the pick. I feel like Rutgers' backyard is your prototypical Long Island backyard that probably a large percentage of your audience from Long Island knows that backyard all too well. So it's special, man. I mean, the kid grew up a Jet fan. His dad is someone I want to interview on my show. It's just the electricity he brought draft night. It's such a cool story. I couldn't be happier uh, for the Rutgers family. And then, you know, Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens, two guys that, as you said, you know, Douglas and Salah, the, the seal of approval. You feel really good about those guys. I think Mitchell could be a long-term uh, answer at, uh, at one of the tackle spots. Certainly provides more depth than you know Chuma Adoga or Connor McDermott, ideally. So you like that. And then Michael Clemens. Uh, Michael Clemens is a guy that probably should have been drafted a lot higher if he didn't have you know, two arrests in his college career. Nothing that crazy what he did. And the Jets believe in his character. And I encourage any Jet fan uh, to watch some of the interviews he's done since he's been drafted. The guy is fun. He's going to bring that nasty. Seems like a good dude, and you know I have guys that covered Texas A&M that are very high on Michael Clemens. So I, I think that guy could be maybe a surprise that a lot of Jeff fans don't realize. The Clemens was really interesting. I was watching some of his interviews yesterday, and this dude is super stoic and like intense. Every time the media asked him a question, you could see he like thought about it. The gears were spinning, and then just like I don't know if I've ever heard a deeper voice. This guy could like do voiceovers Scary. for movies. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I completely agree that the Jets offense and defense is completely different now uh, after this offseason. So I guess I want to kind of go, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, let's go position group by position group. We'll start with the the defensive line first. What are your thoughts for the Jets moving into this next season? Uh, we're getting Carl Lawson back. We get Vinnie Curry back. John Franklin Myers slides back inside to defensive tackle. And then you add Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about the Jets' defensive line? Yeah, I think it's the deepest it's been in years. I mean, honestly, if Carl Lawson's healthy and he resembles the guy that we heard all summer about at training camp, I mean, this team has a chance to be a lot better defensively than probably most people outside of Jet Nation realize. Now, look, obviously they're going to be better this year. They can't be any worse. They were the worst in football last year. But year two in Salah's system with Ulbrich back as the D.C., improvements up front by adding Jermaine Johnson, getting Lawson back. I love what they can now do, as you mentioned it, JFM up the middle with Quinnen. You feel really good about that. And then you just look at some of the additions they made in the offseason, right? I mean, DJ Reed's is a legit starting quarter in this league. Uh, Jordan Whitehead is a legit starting safety in this league. Obviously, you feel really good about adding Sauce Gardner to that secondary. And all of a sudden, you know, Bryce Hall is now, I guess, a backup, but I'm sure he's still going to play a lot of snaps on this team. You just you feel so much better about the depth and the fact that they have legit edge rushing talent. And as Salah said, you, know, you want your secondary to be better, get after the quarterback. They should be able to do that. Like the Jets should be a team now 
that has one of the better pass rushes in the NFL. And we just we have not been able to say that forever. So it's very exciting to see what this team could do. Yeah, you look at that defensive line and everything that it was supposed to be last year, Carl Lawson, Vinny Curry, and then Sheldon, uh, Quinn and Williams and, uh, you know, uh, what, lose my train of thought, John Franklin Myers. And that you're supposed to see, like, an awesome blitz, an awesome, like, pressure up front. And that's something that we were so looking forward to last year and to just get the wind taken out of our sails by the Curry and Lawson injuries. This feels like... You know, not that you want to see anyone get hurt, but it feels like at least there's some depth on this off- on this defensive line where if we have an injury, someone goes down for a game or two, we're not going to be too impacted. So, you know, talk, speak a little bit to the depth of this defensive line. Uh, is there someone, you know, deeper on the line, maybe like a, uh, a Sheldon Rankins or uh, Solomon Thomas, someone like that, that you like, uh, that you might be keeping your eye on? Yeah, as someone who you know covers the Texans for my full time job, Jacob Martin's a good move by by Joe Douglas. That that move is flying under the radar amongst Jeff fans. Jacob Martin is a really good situational rusher. Like third down, he'll be in the rush package, and it wouldn't surprise me if he comes away with several impact plays throughout the course of next season. This guy had a good year with the Texans, and I was surprised they didn't bring him back. You know, given the fact they re-signed a lot of their team from a year ago that went four and thirteen. Like we joked on the radio show, run it back with a four and thirteen team. They didn't re-sign Martin, who was one of their better players last year. So I thought it was a good move by Douglas. And, you know, he's a guy on that defensive line in situational pass rush situations that I think could surprise some Jet fans. Now, moving back to the linebacker position, we have C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. I think this felt like an area that a lot of Jet fans thought we'd start hitting by around the second round or so. And we just kind of kept waiting and waiting. It never actually happened. Nicobe Dean wound up falling really far due to the injury. There were some guys available around the Ruckert pick and around the beginning of the fourth round. The Jets decided not to go that route. Uh, so how are you feeling about the Jets linebacking core, specifically C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, and is there any depth issues or, or concern with that unit? Yeah, it's interesting, Ryan, because you talk to people around the Jets and they'll tell you that the Jets really like their linebacker core that we just didn't get to see last year because of injury. They like Jamie and Sherwood. They think he's going to be a contributor. He barely played, but he was a Joe Douglas pick. They got in the fifth round a year ago. And they also like Hamza Nazardine, who, if I had to guess, you know, he's probably going to be a a guy that gets legitimate snaps, almost like he's a starter coming into the year. They like both those guys. Now, we didn't get to see it because they got hurt. So I'm curious to see how it will play out this year. But – you know, certainly linebacker is a position you would circle and go, all right, well, wait and see. Safety is the other one. But, you know, if LaMarcus Joyner can come back and be healthy, you feel a lot better about that position group. Maybe Jason Pinnock can prove to be a long-term option at that position. You got Whitehead, who's legit. But I think I think safety and linebacker would be, if we're being fair about this defense, the two areas you'd point to and say, all right, well, maybe some weakness there. But if your pass rush is better and your corner play is better, that can maybe mask some of the other issues you have at linebacker or safety. So I think that's what they're banking on going into year two of the system. Yeah, I think there's also probably something to be said for how weak those areas were last year too because C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams, maybe they were trying to compensate for some of the weaknesses at other areas of the defense as well. Uh, So it's really fascinating to see that. You brought up the safety position. LaMarcus Joyner we didn't get to see last year. You bring in Whitehead. What are you expecting out of that unit? You have Ashton Davis coming back for another year. Do you think we'll get more out of him? I sure hope so. I, I kind of wonder, though, is Ashton Davis kind of is what he is at this point. Like, you know, we're talking about a guy two years in. You don't give up on him. I think he'll be on the team this year as a backup. I don't think he's a bad backup. I don't know if he's a starter, though, so we'll see what he could do. Now, maybe a second year in the system, he could do something. I'll tell you what, 
I liked what we saw from Elijah Riley last year. I don't know if he's the long-term answer or not, but he made some plays. That was a nice pickup by uh, by Joe Douglas and the Jets late in the year, bringing him in. He contributed. So you know, maybe they have something there with him. Uh, we'll see. Certainly safety is not an area where you point to and go, yep, that's a strength. But if Joyner's healthy with Whitehead, I think that's a, that's a safety group that's maybe not as bad on paper at some point, too. Now, moving to the cornerback room, you kind of alluded to it before. The Jets wind up taking Sauce Gardner at number four. You bring in uh, DJ Reed. You bring in Whitehead. And now, all of a sudden, the guys that were starting last year kind of slide down the depth chart. And now it's looking a little deeper than we've had in the last few years. So how are you feeling about the cornerback room? I think you got to feel great if you're a Jet fan. Right now, I think Sauce Gardner is not going to come in right away and be Darrell Revis. So I think Jet fans have to temper the expectations a bit. He probably will allow a touchdown at some point this year as a rookie. That's going to happen. So just prepare yourselves, Jet fans. No, it doesn't mean he's a bust if that happens. But, I, you know, I mean, he's going to come in and be really good. I, I have friends that are Seahawks fans. One of, one of my coworkers here in Houston came from Seattle doing radio there and covered the Seahawks and says, Jeff fans, you guys are going to love uh, DJ Reed. So I'm excited, man. I, I think that group is really deep. Obviously, Bryce Hall and Michael Carter kind of slide down the depth chart. Now Carter might start as your nickel corner. But I thought Brandon Eccles, you know, splashed last year, made a couple plays here and there. So him – and Hall as your depth to go with your starters and Reed and Sauce. I mean, how do you not feel great about that if you're a fan of the Jets? Now, switching gears, I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball. And this is really exciting for Jet fans because this looks like an entirely new team from, I'll say, two years ago. I mean, last year we sort of had started to see some of that depth coming in. But this year really, really feels good. Let's start up front with the offensive line. We had Lakin Tomlinson. How are you feeling about the offensive line overall? Feel great about it. I really do. Now, obviously, I, I'm higher on Makai Becton than probably most, but if Becton comes in in shape, ready to go, like the reports are that he's doing, you know, how could you not feel really good about this offensive line? On paper, it's the best offensive line they've had since 2010. Honestly, look at look at the possibilities of Fant as your left tackle, uh, AV, or excuse me, Lakin Tomlinson as your left guard, McGovern, who graded out as a league average center a year ago. Okay, not perfect, but you could live with that. And then right guard, I think ABT is going to be a future All-Pro. I think he's a Pro Bowler this year. And I really think if Makai Becton's healthy, he's going to remind everyone why we liked him so much. He was good as a rookie. People seem to, like, compare Becton to Mims, and it's just not fair. All right, Makai Becton played way better as a rookie than anything we saw from any of the other players in that 2020 draft class. And I think people are so quick just to dismiss the guy. So you put Becton back on that O-line. I feel good about where they're at up front. I think I think it's a deep team. You know, Max Mitchell could come in and compete, you know, and be that swing tackle. Uh, is it a perfect offensive line? No. Do I think it has a chance to be better than probably a lot of people realize? Yeah, because you look at what they did last year in the second half, Ryan. It was a better offensive line. Once they learned the system, and really once they replaced GVR with LDT, that was a great move by Douglas, this line protected Zach Wilson. They ran the ball a lot better. And they were competitive down the stretch. So I think this offensive line is a chance to be a strength of the team. Now, with George Fant going into the final year of his contract, we've heard they've started talking about a contract extension. Are you concerned we may not get it done? And what do you think possibly happens with that tackle position? Yeah, I would like to see them get it done. If it doesn't get done, though, I don't think it means he's definitely gone. Uh, you know, I, I think Fant will start at left tackle. Becton will be the right tackle. And let's go. I mean, Makai Becton's a competitor. He should come up with a chip on his shoulder, ready to prove everyone wrong that doubts him. So, you know, the, you know, the, the best thing for an athlete is competition. You know, the best thing for an athlete is for those to say that so-and-so can't do it. That should, that should motivate Makai. He should come in ready to go. And, 
Yeah, the Jets should have two bookend tackles for years to come, ideally. Yeah, when I look at this roster, I'm trying to think of guys that could be hitting free agency next year. I think Fant sort of seems like a prime candidate for the franchise tag next year if they can't seem to get something done. But I do think you're right. I think this offensive line and the, the fire that's going to be lit under Makai's uh, butt is going to be awesome to watch. This guy was ragdolling people all during his rookie year. It was a shame we didn't get to see him last year. Now, when we slide, I guess we'll slide out a little bit. We'll talk about the tight ends. We had virtually no depth there the last few years. When's the last time the Jets had like a legit starting tight end? We now have Uzama, Conklin, and Ruckert. So speak a little bit to that. How are you feeling about the tight end room? And probably Dustin Keller is the last time they had a legit pass-catching tight end, and unfortunately Keller got hurt, and he didn't have as long of a career as the Jets as he probably should have. Um, look, the tight end room is maybe the biggest strength on the team, you could argue it. It could be corner, it could be tight end. Uh, it depends. Running back is certainly in the conversation now, depending on uh, just how quickly Brees Hall gets after it. But tight end is a strength on this team, and it was such a weakness last year, and really the last couple of years has been a joke. How uh, The Jets have just neglected – the tight end spot and you know, give credit to Douglas. That was a mistake last year. They should have done more in free agency a year ago and in the draft to help out Zach Wilson year one with a security blanket over the middle. So what do they do? They get him two studs in free agency because the receiver market exploded. So instead of overpaying, you get two legit tight ends in Uzama and Conklin, and then you supplement that room with record in the draft. Uh, tight end is going to be a major strength on this team, at least on paper it should be. They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, which means two tight ends on the field at the same time. Someone gets hurt, all of a sudden you're bringing in record. You feel great about the depth of that position. Now going back to the running back position, you got Brees Hall, Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter. I'm really excited for this. Growing up, I was a big Curtis Martin fan, so watching this guy kind of run over dudes. Brees Hall feels like the most talented prospect like five years ago this guy is easily a first round pick middle of the first round top of the first round jets wind up getting him at the top end of the second how are you feeling about the running back room here for this year yeah i love it i ryan i mean how could you not right i mean Brees Hall to me was the best running back in the class i just never thought he'd be a jet it's just hard to believe he actually is and look michael carter i think is awesome the one concern you might have with carter is the wear and tear on his body he's, he's a smaller dude so now to keep him fresh and really keep Brees hall fresh you know you talked about it earlier in this video you know, Brees Hall, he's touched the ball a lot the last couple of years. So having someone that could spell him every once in a while and the guy that's spelling him is a really, really good running back and Michael Carter, you feel really good about what that could do to open up the offense, set up play action, and just put Zach Wilson in a position where instead of second and seven, it's second and three. You know, I think that makes a huge difference for a young quarterback trying to get in, you know, develop into his own in year two. Now when we start looking at the wide receiver aspect, we brought in Corey Davis, you bring in – uh, Keelan Cole last year didn't bring him back after the season. You have Elijah Moore second year. Denzel Mims going into his third year. You bring back a fan favorite in Braxton Berrios, and then you add Garrett Wilson as well. Speak a little bit to the wide receiver room. What are you expecting from these guys, and, and how are you feeling about it? I love Garrett Wilson. He's my wide receiver one, so the fact that they got him, I mean, how could I not commend the Jets for doing exactly that? I love The thing I love about Wilson, though, the guy could play inside and he could play on the outside. The, the position versatility they have at the receiver position, I think is really exciting for a guy like Mike LaFleur to be able to mix and match and be creative. Elijah Moore could play inside. He could play outside. 
Braxton Barrios could play inside. He could play outside. Corey Davis is your big six foot three possession receiver. Line him up on the outside. He can make things happen, as we saw last year before he got hurt. And then you obviously, you know, look at Elijah Moore taking that step in year two. And if they get anything from Denzel Mims, you feel like it's a bonus. But, you know, one through four, you know, I'll say, you know, Moore, Davis, Wilson, Berrios, that's about as strong of a one through four as the Jets have had in a long time. Uh, you feel really good about that. And then, you know, obviously, rookies sometimes take some time to really get accumulated to the NFL. Like, as good as Elijah Moore was last year, it took him about midway through the year to get going. Well, now you have other guys we alluded to that can maybe pick up the slack early on to allow Garrett Wilson to develop. I love the move, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. Now we got one more position to talk about. That is the all-important quarterback position. How are you feeling about our boy Zach Wilson? I feel good about Zach, man. I really do. I, look, Zach Wilson was not perfect last year. We all understand he's got to play a lot better going from year one to year two. But Zach Wilson's quarterbacking the Jets in the biggest media market in the world on a team that did not have enough talent around him. And statistically, you could look it up, he played the toughest defensive schedule out of any any rookie quarterback last year. He held his own. He never made excuses. He sat for a couple of games when he got hurt. He came back. He cleaned up the turnover issue. He managed the game. They won some games down the stretch. And he did a really nice job getting better week over week. That's all we want to see. And then what has he done this offseason? He's flying out on his own dime to go meet up with receivers and throw with them. He's beefing up in the weight room. He's putting in that work. If you're a Jet fan, Zach Wilson's doing everything possible to take that step from year one to year two. You never question the guy's work ethic or his love of football. And now they got real talent around him. And, you know, Robert Sala said it the night they drafted him. This organization's going to lift you, not the other way around. Don't think you got to lift everyone. And maybe one day Zach Wilson could be like Tom Brady and lift everyone. We're not there yet. All right, he's 22 years old, and he's in his second year, and they should be able to help him by giving him tight ends. Check. Giving him running backs. Check. Improving the protection. Check. You know, giving him continuity with the offensive coordinator coming back in Mike LaFleur. So you feel really good about the pieces around Zach, and now it's on Zach to take that step, and I think he will. Yeah, you look at everything that's going on around Zach, and you look at all the stuff that could really wind up happening. He he really grew week over week last year. You saw the the situation where he wound up throwing the ball at the line or at the running back's back. It bounces off. You get an interception. Then like I was two weeks later, <laughs> oh dude, like two weeks later, you see it, and you have the same exact situation where he's running towards the offensive line, and he pulls it, and he's like, nope, gonna run it. And I think he wound up getting a sack or something along those lines, but it wasn't a turnover, so it wasn't as bad. Then you see him starting to rush to the line of scrimmage, catch 12 men on the field. You catch guys uh, using the hard count, getting those guys to jump off sides. Those are those little intricacies that you want to see a young quarterback start to make, and you really started seeing it happen even while all his offensive weapons were being pulled from him due to injury. Uh, so it's really fascinating to see. And when I'm looking at Zach Wilson and you look at this AFC, the AFC is loaded, and it did not get any less so with the additions of Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson up in uh, in Denver. So when I'm looking at quarterbacks that I might want the Jets to have or, you know, to have in this AFC, it's not Mac Jones. Mac Jones had the best rookie like season of the, the five rookies last year. But I look at Zach Wilson and I see the upside. That's the type of caliber quarterback that has the upside to compete in the AFC. Now, can you speak a little bit to, to our, or your thoughts on the competition level in the AFC and, and Zach Wilson maybe moving forward? Yeah, and I think you nailed it, Ryan. Like, Zach Wilson has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. Like, I, I don't think that's a hot take. Like, Zach Wilson could just do things as a quarterback, throwing the football athletically, 
that Mac Jones can't, that, you know, I cover the Texans and Davis Mills played well down the stretch. Davis Mills can't make some of these plays that Zach Wilson can. That, that's just a fact. That's why the Jets took him second overall because they're betting on the upside. And for every Jet fan that loves Joe Douglas, this was his pick. He's going to be defined by, so trust him that he got it right. Zach Wilson, to me, obviously has special traits. And when I think that should excite Jet fans, we saw him play within the structure of the offense, really the last five or six games last year. He took what the defense was giving him, Mike White style, but the difference between Zach Wilson and Mike White is Zach Wilson can make those boom throws. He can escape the pocket with his legs. And we saw Zach use his legs to pick up first downs and move the chains a lot more. Once he got comfortable with the playbook, which I think really started to happen post-injury, he didn't play great against the Texans. And then from that point on, he got better each game down the stretch. You, you saw something with this kid. So I, I'm very encouraged. And if you look at Zach Wilson's playing career at BYU, each year he got significantly better. So hopefully that trend continues now um, as he enters his second year in the NFL. Now, aside from the players on the field, we get to see Robert Sala going into year two. How confident are you in his coaching style? And, and what do you expect out of the coaching staff as a whole moving forward? You know, I, I would say I, I'm very encouraged by the offensive side of the ball, coaching-wise. I give credit to Salah, the team. I don't think I ever quit on him last year. Kind of held it together. Seems like a, a player's coach. This is a big year for him, though. I, I mean, we all love Robert Salah screaming sauce on the phone and the draft calls, but you know, this, this team's got to win some games, man. So I'm encouraged by Robert Salah. I think he's a great dude. He's a likable guy. I want to root for him, believe me. Uh, but this is a big year for Robert Sala. Let's be fair. It's a big year for Zach Wilson as well. You know, this team can't be picking top five in the NFL draft you know, this time next year. Like This team's got to win some games. they got to be playing, as the GM said, meaningful games into the month of December. You know, This team's got to win at least seven or eight games. That's how I look at it. And you know, that's what Robert Sala is going to be defined by. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of hope on the defensive side as well. When I look at you know Robert Sala and Ulbrich, those are the guys that really – grind their teeth on the on the defensive side and we just didn't have the horses in the stable you didn't have the safeties you didn't have the edge rushers you didn't have you know a lot of health across the board at the right. quarterback room or anything like that you played a bunch of young guys in the defensive backfield i think jet fans really need to to sort of sit back and just watch everything that's going to happen because you're going to see the pass rush you're going to see the competent corner play, cornerback play you're going to see a lot more out of this defense i think than what you got last year even with the harder schedule this year yeah, I'm t I totally agree. And the schedule's tough, but you know what? That's not an excuse to to not win some games in your own division, right? Like, this team needs to find a way to at least win two division games. You know, beat New England, beat Miami. Can you find a way to split with the Bills somehow? You played them tight in one of your matchups with them the last game of the year where you really had no business being in that game, but you found a way to compete. You know, th this team has to win more games. They just do. And you look at the schedule, they're going to have to win games in the AFC East. Last year, they beat Cincinnati and Tennessee. No one saw that coming. Find two wins that you're not supposed to win and beat the Lions on your schedule. Beat the Bears on your schedule. Beat the Jaguars on your schedule. Find a way to double your win total from four to eight and play meaningful games into the month of December. So I want to hear from you. What would you deem a successful 2022 campaign for the New York Jets? And can you give me a record prediction for where you think the Jets might be at the end of the season? Ooh, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. They got to win at least seven games, and the quarterback's got to be trending with the arrow pointed up by the end of the year. Now, if you say, well, you know, Zach Wilson plays really well, and they somehow only won six games because of the schedule, all right, well, we'll see how that plays out. I want to come away from year two because let's be real. They're in the AFC, all right? There are loaded quarterbacks in that conference. If Zach's not the guy or you don't feel like he's the guy, 
you're an attractive destination for the next disgruntled quarterback that wants out. Like you're the Browns from this past year where they were attractive for Deshaun Watson. So I'm not saying you give up on Zach, but I'm just saying like these are the conversations you have given the conference you're playing in. So I want to see this team playing meaningful games in December, win seven or eight games, and the arrow about our young quarterback is pointed in the the up direction. Yeah, that's something I've been saying for a while. The, the, the only thing I want for this season, I don't care about wins. I just want to see us in the hunt. That little icon on the bottom of the screen right. when we get into December. I just want to see the Jet logo. We haven't seen it in years and years and years. That's all I want to see towards the end of the year. Jake, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Let everyone know where they can find you and what you got going on. Man, I appreciate it, Ryan. I'm telling you, I'm such a big fan of you. Green Bean, O'Leary, I love the panels on Tuesday. Uh, I post Jets every day on my YouTube channel. It's just my name. It's just Jake Asman, Asman like Jasmine. And uh, you'll find interviews. You'll find uh, live reaction shows. Usually we take a big topic, we break it down, and then we open it up for Q&A. Got some special guests set to join. Ryan, you'll have to come back on the show. We got Fireman Ed joining us on the show this week. So uh, it should be a ton of fun, man. It's it, you know, Just because the draft is over doesn't mean there's still not a lot happening uh, with the New York Jets. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. If you have not subscribed to Jake, like I said, down below in the description are all his links. Let me know your thoughts of everything we discussed down below in the comment section. And as always, go Jets.